Hello and welcome to Hell No, a true crime podcast with your host, Lauren Lucio. This week's episode is a day late. My, if you if you follow the if you follow my Instagram, you'll see that I got drunk and had a hangover day because I'm only human, and I had a bottle of gin Shiraz, and it was a crazy week, and I just did it. So you know, we got a bit of a mold epidemic happening here. Um, it's just been raining for two weeks. Everybody's house is molding in my community. It's a never-ending battle, and I hope it never happens to any of you listening or even not listening, because it is just a real damn headache. So, episode 17, that's where we're at today. This week's episode is, it's a wild ride. It's got a lot of twists and turns, you know, it's, it's a real crazy one. So let's just, let's just hear it. Dave Krupa, a 35-year-old mechanic in Omaha, Nebraska. He found himself single and looking in 2012, and he had recently separated from his partner of 12 years, Amy, and they had two kids together. Since he was new to Omaha, Dave had taken to online dating to meet women. And he was doing well for himself, charming, nice guy, good looking, full-time employed, financially stable. What more could a woman ask for? Dave, he was upfront in in his dating profile. He said he wasn't looking for a commitment, just a companion and and just looking to have some fun, some sex, you know, maybe some nice dinners, but not marriage or anything serious. And this is how Dave met Shauna Liz Gollier, who goes by Liz. I'll be referring to her as Liz. She went by her middle name. Liz seemed cool. She had her own housekeeping business. She was an entrepreneur. She was separated from her partner. And she also had two kids. So her and Dave, they had a lot in common. Their kids were around the same age. Dave and Liz, for their first date, they went out for a coffee date. And they really hit it off. All seemed good. Dave was attracted to her personality and to her appearance. He was just all around attracted to her. But as we know, Dave didn't want anything serious. And he continued dating other women from the dating site. But that time, Liz was getting kind of weird with him. Um, I heard in one documentary that she was kind of jealous of of time that he would spend with his kids or she would just go to his house unannounced before he was you know going out on a date and and proposition him with sex and she was asking him like what did you do last night so you know getting a bit clingy is what I would say so six months after Dave had met Liz and they were kind of seeing each other here and there but you know, nothing serious as Dave wasn't looking for that. Six months later, Dave meets 37-year-old Carrie Farver. And Carrie had come into the auto mechanics shop to get her vehicle worked on. She needed some work done on her car. And Dave was like, hello. And Carrie was like, hello. And there were sparks. They had an instant attraction. 
uh, Carrie, she was also doing very well for herself. She was a computer programmer. She was happy. She had a 14-year-old son who she loved. She was also separated from her partner and she was dating a little. He didn't ask her out that day, but he liked her. And she liked him as well because Dave found Carrie on the dating site that he was on and asked her out. And she said yes. They go out for dinner. uh, So they go on a date. They go out for dinner at uh, an Applebee's, I believe it was. Then they go back to Dave's house. And again, those sparks were flying. Carrie, she also made it clear she didn't want anything serious. And Dave agreed, and he was looking for the same casual relationships. So, you know, he said in an interview with 2020 that he felt like he had hit the jackpot with Carrie because it was getting kind of hot and heavy, and she was like, pause, wait a minute. Yeah, let's have sex now, but I don't want to, I don't want this to lead to a serious commitment. And Dave was like, that's exactly what I want. You know, they're both working. They've both been separated. They both have kids. So they just wanted to have some companionship and and some, some casual sex. Nothing wrong with that. As Carrie was leaving Dave's apartment that night, old Lizzie was just around the corner and she came slinking into Dave's apartment building to pick something up that she had left at Dave's. So I'm not sure if this was an unannounced visit, but Liz and Carrie did cross paths that night. Nothing was said about it. It was just a crossing paths in the night, you know, no drama or whatever. But to me, I feel like this may have been an unannounced visit from Liz because why would Dave have Liz come over as Carrie's leaving? It just doesn't really make much sense. You'd think he would try to keep those lives, you know, separate. Two weeks later, Carrie had a key to Dave's apartment and was staying there. She worked very close to the apartment, like a mile, mile and a half half a mile, something like that, within a two-mile radius. And she had a big project at work. So she was working pretty hard on this project. And Dave was like, you know, your work is really close. Just stay here with me. And Dave really liked Carrie. So Carrie was like, okay. Got her mother to watch her son. And she was staying at Dave's for a couple nights because it was so close to her work. It just made sense. And they were both on the same page relationship-wise. They both weren't looking for anything serious. November 13th, 2012. We're going to be referring back to this date quite a bit in this episode. Carrie was at Dave's that morning and Dave had to go to work. So he kisses her goodbye. And when he leaves about 6.30 a.m., Carrie's sitting on the couch on her laptop, working, doing whatever she's doing on her laptop. All is good. And she says bye to Dave as well. Just a normal morning. Once at work, probably around like noon, 11.30 noon, he gets a really strange and out of character text from Carrie. And this easygoing, sweet, you know, carefree woman Carrie he likes is now sending him messages saying she wants to move in with Dave. But Dave and Carrie, they had previously talked about this and they both agreed that it wasn't a good idea to, you know, keep things casual. They shouldn't live with each other. And they were both in agreement on that. So Dave was confused and he's like, um, no, like that's not what we talked about. 
And then the next texts following that from Carrie to Dave were brutal. They were like, I hate you. You ruined my life. And Dave was like, what the fuck is happening right now? This is so out of the blue. And, you know, the texts were almost like, it wasn't Carrie, but they were coming from Carrie's phone. He had just seen her a couple hours ago. What was going on? They were just so out of character. They had only been seeing each other for two weeks. So he thought, you know, maybe it's a side of her I had never seen before. And, you know, maybe I have dodged a, a figurative bullet here, so to speak. That night he goes home. Carrie's gone. She's not there. A day later, the texts start again from Carrie to Dave saying she hates him, he's a terrible person, just all kinds of mean, 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 nasty stuff. A bit of history about Carrie is she was diagnosed with bipolar years earlier, but she was managing it. She was committed to managing it and she was doing very well, not just in life, but with her career. She was happy. It was the best her life had ever been going. Carrie and her mother, Nancy, they were very close. And after two days of Nancy not seeing her daughter, she was concerned. Carrie also didn't show up to work, and but they did receive an email from Carrie saying that she had quit and you know, she wouldn't be coming into work. She was taking a job in Kansas, or I'm not sure if she mentioned to them Kansas, but she does mention that to her mother. And around the same time, Liz had applied for Carrie's job, but she was never hired for it. But it's just weird that Carrie quits her job. And then at the same time, Liz who has no experience in computer programming as far as I'm concerned, applies for her job. So Carrie's mother, Nancy, she was worried as well because she knew that Carrie loved her son and would never abandon him. That same morning that Dave had received those messages from Carrie, her mother, Nancy, received messages from Carrie saying she was moving to Kansas. So she told her mother, I'm moving to Kansas you know, um, you're not going to see me or I'm not sure. Basically, I'm moving to Kansas like now. And in that, you know, she's taking another job there and, you know, TTYL, talk to you later. Nancy tried calling Carrie and she couldn't get her on the phone, only messages. When Carrie didn't show up for her half brother's wedding that her son was an usher in, that's when Nancy was really concerned and reported Carrie missing. But Police chalked it up to a grown woman off of her meds. But to me, you know, that's also an urgent matter. Like if somebody has mental health issues and they've gone missing and you think they're off their meds, that's cause for concern. That should be investigated. In the meantime, Dave was being harassed by Carrie by text and email. Carrie was cursing at him, saying all kinds of nasty things to him that, again, with the ruined her life, she hates him, and and just mean things about Liz, you know, someone who she had never even met. They just crossed paths for like a second. Then Liz starts getting nasty emails and texts, and Dave can't believe what's happening because it's a it's a jackal hide situation. He knew Carrie to be so happy, put together, not this loose as fuck, nasty, controlling, harassing woman. November 23rd rolls around, 10 days after Dave kissed Carrie goodbye in the morning. Liz finds her home had been vandalized. 
On a wall in her garage, the words whore from Dave were spray painted. And Liz is concerned and calls police. She's like, who the hell did this? So Liz tells police that Carrie had been sending her these harassing messages and it was probably her who did it. So police can't find Carrie. They can't talk to Carrie. So they go talk to Dave. And Dave shows police all the harassing texts that he's been getting from Carrie. But nobody has seen Carrie in 10 days. So, you know, again, police can't find her. They can't talk to her. Carrie is MIA, but her family is still receiving text messages from her saying she's going to move her son to Kansas with her, but she would never call or answer calls. So they were like, what is happening? It was very alarming when Carrie missed her son's birthday, but not only did she miss her son's birthday, she missed her father's funeral. And her and her father were very close. This was not something she would willingly miss. And now Nancy knew something was very wrong. Nancy receives messages from Carrie and apparently the and these messages were Carrie telling her mother Nancy that you know she's been a bad mother and just saying very hurtful things to her to you know try to cause a fight that will end communication is what I think but Nancy is smarter than that she doesn't fall for this and she stays in contact Dave was now receiving up to 100 harassing emails and texts a day from Carrie. All terrible, all mean and nasty, all harassing. But then they take a turn into scary stalker territory. Dave receives a message from Carrie saying, I see you sitting in your chair with your feet up wearing a blue shirt. And at that moment, Dave was in fact, sitting in his chair with his feet up wearing a blue shirt. So this really proves that she is watching him. She also tells Dave her favorite thing to do is to watch him while she stands outside his window. Yikes, that is so, <laughs> that is so terrifying. Two months goes by, two months later, still getting these harassing messages. Family still hasn't talked to Carrie. And Dave ends up finding Carrie's vehicle. I'm not sure where he found it, just that he was driving home from work and he spotted a vehicle that he thought looked like Carrie's. And he knew Carrie's vehicle because he had done work on it. So he was like, what the F is going on here? So he pulls over and he takes pictures of it and he sends those pictures to police. Nebraskan police are the ones to process it and they find one fingerprint on a mint can in the car that doesn't belong to Carrie and they don't know whose it is. They run it through a database, nothing pops up. So whosoever it is, it's not in their database. But to Nebraska police, Carrie is wanted for stalking and not a missing persons. Just five minutes away in Iowa, Carrie is a missing persons and not wanted and and you know not wanted for stalking but of course they don't know each other's business these even though they're five minutes away it's a different state so there's no crossover in information five months goes by since carrie is last seen and her mother gets a phone call and the caller says carrie is at a homeless shelter and she wants uh she wants to come home so nancy and the police go to the homeless shelter but carrie's not there and it turns out she never was. So who made this call? 
Nancy wasn't the only one to get false hope of Carrie's return. Carrie's friend Amber, like her close friend, got a text from Carrie saying that she ran away, but she wants to come back. And Amber could never get Carrie on on a phone call. She could never actually talk to her. Every time Amber was like, well, let's meet here. Let's meet there. Like, of course you can come home. Whatever's happening, we can work through this. And it never happened. There was always an excuse. She never met up with her, never had a phone call, only text messages. Then Carrie's 15-year-old son, Max, he decides to try and contact his mother through Facebook and sends her a message saying, hi. Carrie responds, hey, little man, how are you? Max is like, okay, who the fuck is this? Because my mother never called me little man. He doesn't respond with that. But what he does respond with is answer these three questions. What's my middle name? What's our first boxer's name? And what's my best friend's name? Max never got a response. If it was his mother, she would have known the answers to those questions so easily. Like it wouldn't even be a challenge. So this is very suspicious. Suspicious. But Carrie's Facebook, phone, and email, they're all still active. And there is even a new post on her Facebook from her saying she's not missing. She just doesn't want to come home. Over the next few months, Dave receives literally thousands and thousands of messages and emails from Carrie saying I hate you so much I want to drive a knife through your heart calling him names like loser asking him if she's ruined his life yet also threatening Liz's life and telling him he better stop talking to her it was around this time that Dave's house was also broken into he came home one day and his window was smashed his tv was all scratched up like somebody took a key and just scratched it all up so and then they wrote on the wall Liz is a whore they took Liz's clothing that was there she had some some clothing that was there and they cut it all up and threw it on the bed they keyed Dave's car outside and it said Dave loves fat whores that is a quote that you know what was carved into his car with a key in the paint with both Dave and Liz being harassed non-stop by Carrie they they find this a common bond and they start seeing each other again Um, Nothing serious, you know. Dave still wasn't into anything serious, probably more now than ever. They would actually receive these harassing messages from Carrie when they were together. Like they could be sitting side by side and then both of their phones would start going off and it would be these text messages and emails from Carrie. One day, Dave gets an email from Carrie and attached is a photo. The photo was of a woman tied up in the back of a car in in the trunk of a car and the email read I have Liz in the trunk of my car and if you don't call her and tell her you hate her and that she's a whore I'm going to kill her so who's ever sending these messages they really like the this word whore which is absolutely terrible why 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 what's going on here so Dave calls Liz to make sure she's okay and Liz is like yeah I'm fine like I'm not in the trunk of anybody's car And Dave is like, okay, you know, just another harassing email from Carrie and just goes to bed. Like this is how, this is how normalized this harassment is to him at this time. And it's been months. It's been going on months. He's been stalked, harassed. 
It's just, ugh, it's just terrible. Nine months after Carrie's disappearance, Liz's house suddenly burns down. And her children weren't home and she either wasn't home or she got out of the house before it burned down. But her two dogs, her cat and her pet snake were all inside and, and, and were, yeah, burned alive. Just absolutely horrific. Liz, you know, as I said, she managed to make it out unscathed or she wasn't in the home when it happened, but she had lost all of her worldly possessions and all of her pets. Police could tell that the fire was purposefully set and Liz immediately blames Carrie and gives police her name. But again, where is this woman? They cannot find Carrie. So, you know, now she's suspected of arson. Two months after that, Dave's work is vandalized. On the wall, somebody spray painted, Dave beats women all of his co-workers to see for all of the community to see everybody is seeing this horrible accusation to this man who does not beat women is a nice man just making an honest living putting in a hard day's work trying to find some casual romance you know he's there was never any any evidence at all that Dave was abusive in any way so this was just devastating for him to see he was like oh my god this is just getting out of control around this time is when he buys a gun because he's confused he's terrified he's got this stalker who's trying to ruin his life ruin his credibility and just you know really fuck his shit up this harassment continues for years and it even extends to Amy his ex-girlfriend who he has two children with Amy starts getting messages saying are you Dave's whore again with this whore word I don't know are you Dave's whore and just like threatening mean messages to her now so January of 2014 Dave's longtime friend slash casual lover comes to visit him And the stalker strikes again. (sighs) The stalker really did not like seeing Dave have another female companion. And Carrie texts Dave something like, I see you with that whore. Later that night, a brick goes through his window. He calls police and now he's worried that Liz is in danger because, you know, her house had just burned down. She's getting these harassing messages. A brick just went through his window. So he's like goes to Liz's house and is like are you okay like shit's going down again and she's like yeah I'm fine he's like okay by 2015 so this has been going on for two and a half years and still nobody has seen Carrie not her mother not her son not her friends not Dave not police not Liz nobody Well, Carrie must be around if she's watching them and can see them because she had even sent photos to Dave and Liz of their own homes and pictures of their children with like, I am watching you, which is scary as fuck. So Carrie's bank account, there hasn't been touched. Her checking account, nothing. But her phone seems to be working just fine, just firing off those harassing emails and text messages. Police finally think, okay, 
what the actual fuck. She hasn't been seen, yet she's burning down houses. She's harassing people, sending them photos, knows what they're wearing, making death threats, stalking them. And they're like, we have to figure this out. So Sergeant Jim Doty and Deputy Ryan Avis, they volunteer to take over this case because it is just so bizarre. They've been hearing about it for two years going around the police station like this, you know, happy, employed, single mother just goes missing, but she's not missing because all of these people are getting harassed by her, but nobody's seen her. So they were like, this is very intriguing and we want to be put on this case. So they formulate a plan, which to me is like quite a scientific approach to this. So, you know, I love it. Sergeant Doty is like, okay, I'm going to prove she's alive. And Deputy Avis says, okay, I will prove that she's not alive. And then we'll, you know, we'll talk about it and we'll take it from there. At this point, investigators have, are you ready for this? 15,000 emails and texts that carries family dave liz that they've all got they have fifteen thousand emails and texts sent from carrie all harassing all weird saying she's moving to kansas all just very odd stuff so that is a lot to go on fifteen thousand. that's a lot and her family says that they don't think it's her because she doesn't speak like that. She doesn't write like that. Carrie was very smart and the messages in the emails were full of spelling and grammatical errors. And that has never been seen before by Carrie in any of her messages or emails. Investigators are aware that Carrie does have bipolar, but they're not buying it for a single second that this has anything to do with what's happening in this case what does stick out is a name that keeps appearing in the reports a one Shayna Liz Gollier Dodie and Avis bring in another investigator one who specializes in digital forensics deputy Anthony Cava and this man he is a gun with digital evidence so Cava not only had access to all the emails and texts but he also had all of the information and data on Liz's phone on Dave's phone which they had given to police earlier which meant police had every photo every message everything from their phone but like not as in-depth as you would if they were a suspect so they were you know they were the victims of harassment they they had a lot of information from their phone but they didn't have everything like deleted information nothing like that they basically just had like photos and Um, the messages and emails they found it interesting that Liz had pictures of Carrie's vehicle on her phone one month before the police were alerted to Dave finding it so this looks very suspicious to them they also discovered Liz had been calling Carrie and blocking her numbers up to six times before Carrie's disappearance but Liz told police that she didn't know Carrie so why was she calling her also remember that email Dave got from Carrie with the image of a woman tied up in the trunk of a car well that image was also on Liz's phone because Liz had staged that photo that's what they found from this digital evidence And uh, Liz had actually duct taped her own mouth, tied herself up, 
got into a trunk of a car and somehow I'm not sure if somebody helped her we don't know about that but somehow took selfie I'm gonna call them selfies of her tied up in the trunk of a car if Liz staged this then how is it sent from Carrie to Dave investigators they also gather new information that wasn't in their reports when they talk to Carrie's mother Nancy Nancy shows them a picture and this picture was sent to her from Carrie the day after Carrie had gone missing and this picture was of a check made out to Carrie for $5,000 for all the furniture in her home Along with the picture of this check was a text message saying, I sold all my furniture. Please let the buyer in to collect it. Guess who wrote that check? Yep, old Lizzie herself. How do we know that, you might ask? Well, she bloody well signed it, didn't she? I've got a thought. Because we know now that Liz did buy all of this missing woman's furniture. She bought all of Carrie's furniture. And if nothing sinister was happening, then why did nobody know that Liz had bought all of Carrie's furniture? And I don't believe that that check was ever cashed or deposited into Carrie's bank account. So why did Liz, it just baffles me because if Liz had something to do with this and this was a fake check, first of all, why did she sign her name to it or better yet why did she even write it and then send a message like it just blows my freaking mind that she doesn't want to be she's saying she doesn't know Carrie but yet her mother has proof of a check that was signed by Liz to Carrie for all of her furniture one day after she goes missing why not why wouldn't like what's going on here why didn't you know Carrie just say oh the buyer paid why didn't why didn't the text message just say the buyer paid cash just let them in to collect the furniture so many questions about this image that I just I'm sure investigators were also thinking like what is going on here guess who shows up at the police station old Lizzie comes slinking in on December 2015, now three years after Carrie's disappearance, Deputy Avis takes this opportunity. And once Liz leaves the station, the investigators wait for her to go home and then they show up and they play dumb. So Deputy Avis knocks on her door, tells her that, you know, he doesn't have a heavy caseload right now, that he has time to review some other, you know, cases, and he would be happy to assist her with her report. Liz had been at the police station trying to file a harassment report. Liz had no idea that Deputy Avis was actually, like, was actively investigating the disappearance of Carrie and was sure that Carrie wasn't alive. Like, he had a plethora of information that he had gone through. He was, like, properly investigating this. Liz had no idea though. So old Lizzie tells Deputy Avis quite a tale. And she claims that Carrie Farver might not be the one stalking and harassing them. But instead, it's Dave's ex-partner, Amy, the one that he has two kids with that they had separated. Deputy Avis asks if he could download all the information and and data from her phone because although they had had it before you know maybe there's something new on there because there's she had been receiving all of these messages and 
Liz just hands it over and says like, yep, of course, like, you know, they did that two years ago. So why wouldn't she do it now? Deputy Avis, he had to contain his excitement because she was no longer a victim at this point. She was a suspect. So police can now download everything, not just the messages, not just the emails, not just the pictures, but also deleted files, things that Liz thought that she had deleted from her phone, but police can actually download. December 5th, 2015, 911 receives a call from old Lizzie claiming someone had shot her in the leg from behind. Well, she was out on a hike around a lake alone at night with no witnesses around. When asked on the phone who had shot her, she said she didn't know. She said they ran off. But then later she says, oh, I do know. It was Amy, Dave's ex-girlfriend. And in another twist, six days earlier, Dave had reported his gun stolen. A gun that Liz knew everything about, including the box and location that it was kept in. Dave had reported it stolen to police. Police knew that this gun was stolen. There was record of that. In fact, Liz even brought up the stolen gun the day before when talking to Deputy Avis. Deputy Avis, well, he finds this quite suspicious. Investigators cleared Amy like almost immediately and believed that Liz had shot herself. I bet if they drag that lake, they would find it. P.S. If I ever start a band, I'm calling it Dragged Lake. Unless a band like that already exists, then let me know because I'll come see you. Anyways, Liz has constantly been playing victim for three years now and Dave is fully aware of what's going on he's been catching wind of all of this and he's like has it been Liz this entire time stalking him harassing him and everyone else which raises the question did she kill her own dogs cat and snake in that fire did she do that I mean No one has seen Carrie. She's claiming Carrie did it. She was the only one there. It's never been proven, but just a question. What kind of monster? This is just another question, completely unrelated to this. What kind of monster could burn their pets alive? I'm not saying she did it. I'm just saying what kind of person could do that? The digital forensic guy, Kava, he discovered it was Liz who created emails in Carrie's name, and they even managed to trace them directly to Liz sending them. They even find that Liz had downloaded an app that would allow her to schedule messages to be sent at specific times, and that's how she could be with Dave when they both were being like harassed with, and receiving these messages at the same time. Two weeks after the shooting, they bring Liz in for questioning and they tell her it's for the missing person's case of Carrie. Liz says she doesn't know her. Police lie and they say that they found remains of Carrie's body. And Liz is like, oh, well, Amy probably did it. Investigators play along. They play right into her hand. Liz, she thinks she's real fucking smart. So police are like, okay, let's use this against her. So police are like, yeah, maybe... Um, do you think you could help us get a confession from her? And Liz is like, yeah, maybe I'll see what I can get, you know, through emails. And Liz is thinking, oh man, I'm so smart. You know, I'm gonna play this up. So she comes back a couple days later. 
she says, hey, police, check this out. She shows them an email that apparently Amy had sent her that read, I shot you, Liz. It had more in it, but the basic thing of the email was, I shot you, Liz. And police tell Liz, well, that's great, but can you get her to say, like, how she killed Carrie and maybe some details of the crime? Because, like, that would really help us. And Liz was like, yeah, sure. So should I email her back? And police are like, yeah. A few days later, guess what Liz shows police? That's right. Another email from Amy to her reading, I stabbed her three or four times in the chest and stomach area, then burned her and stuffed her body into a garbage can with crap. See what police have done here? quite smart these investigators are very very good they got Liz to write what she did to Carrie under the appearance that they believe that Amy is writing these emails smart police know Liz is obsessed with Dave so they tell Liz that Dave went back to Amy he didn't but police want to they want to light a fire under this situation so they're like yeah well you know Liz Dave has gone back to Amy and they're trying to work things out and you know they'll probably be together now and Liz wow just like a fish at dawn she takes that bait and she calls police crying saying why can't you arrest her I sent you her confession email and police say well you know Liz like you know we actually need more information from Amy um so you know if we had more information that would really move this case along faster and you know maybe we could make moves and, and arrest her and guess what Liz shows police just a few days later that's right another email from Amy this one is very to the point very blunt and it says I really did kill Carrie and I did do it in her own car this is this is a jackpot for police because they still have Liz's vehicle in evidence. So they're like, oh, let's take another look at that car. So they rip it apart and they find underneath when they rip up the seating, all the foam underneath is soaked in blood. I mean, they probably should have found this like, I don't know, three years ago, but these investigators, they find it now. These are good investigators on the case. They find it. They take a DNA sample of the blood and it comes back as Carrie Farber's. And this is when it's now a homicide case. So this has just gone zero to 100 real fast. Liz gets brought in on a traffic citation on February 25th, 2016. And I saw a clip of this when they bring her in and she is sitting with her arms crossed, her legs crossed, which indicates she's being very closed off, maybe hiding something, you know, doesn't want to, doesn't want to let anything go. So anyone sitting with their arms crossed, you know, that is a sign that they are closing themselves off, not just physically, but you know, it's like a mental close off as well. So the detectives ask her, why was Carrie's phone at your house after she disappeared? And why are your fingerprints inside her vehicle? So I'm not sure if police are lying to her to extract information or if they actually did trace Carrie's phone, you know, to the location of Liz's apartment. And that fingerprint inside the vehicle, I'm not sure if it actually was Carrie's 
Uh, I never really got a definitive answer on that, so I can't really say. So police are allowed to lie in in interrogations in America. They're allowed to say, we found your DNA at the scene, even if they didn't, in some states. I'm not really sure about all the laws. I have heard that in some documentaries. Definitely don't hold me to that. Something to fact-checked, but I have heard that before. This is when old Lizzie gets defensive and she gets angry and she's denying everything. The detective straight up tells her he knows she wrote the emails pretending to be Amy confessing. He, they tell Liz that they know she's made these email accounts and she's been sending this stuff. And she screeches, I haven't created any emails. Let me try that again. I haven't created any emails. I don't know. Okay, well, she like screeched it. You can watch it. I'll link it in the show notes. Detectives now have a warrant to search old Lizzie's apartment. And they do this while she's being questioned. And they find Carrie's camcorder and digital camera in Liz's home. Why does Carrie have this stuff if she doesn't know Liz? Where did she get this stuff from? Which makes detectives believe that Liz went into Carrie's home after she murdered her. She could have also been in that home when she bought all of Carrie's furniture. Because remember, um, Carrie's mother had that text message that said, look, someone's paid me five Gs for all my furniture. Just let them in. And we know the person who wrote that check was Liz. So, you know, Liz could have went in the house at that point. She could have let herself in whenever. Who knows? The camcorder showed a video that Carrie had recorded two days before she disappeared. And this video was of her documenting the damage that had been done to her vehicle. Somebody had taken white spray paint and like spray painted all over her black vehicle. They now have enough evidence to arrest Liz for first degree murder, but they don't have Carrie's body. Where is Carrie's body? The trial was delayed, so I think they're trying to push this through quite quick, but the trial was delayed, and police needed to find where Carrie's body was, because, you know, no body, no conviction type of thing, so, and a body also will give a ton more evidence. Investigators, they're under the pump. They want to find as much evidence as possible, so they go back and they asked Dave, Dave, do you think we've missed anything at all? And Dave's like, oh shit, I got an old tablet that has been in storage for a few years. Um, so he gets it. And this tablet had like a 16 gig SD card in it that police had never seen before, but it was Liz's. And when police recover the deleted images, they see a ton of images of Liz, a lot of selfies of Liz. Liz, it clearly was Liz's SD card. Like it was just riddled with selfies of her and pictures of her. And amongst all of those images was a photo that appeared to be a decomposing human foot. And this foot had a tattoo on it. And that tattoo matched the exact one that Carrie had on her foot. And it was a Chinese symbol for mother. May 2017, the trial is underway. All the emails, all the texts, you know, all the emails accounts that she had made, you know, they had all that evidence. Liz maintained her innocence, but the judge found her guilty of first-degree murder and she was sentenced to life in prison. So I'm not sure about parole, but she was sentenced to life in prison. Carrie Farver's body was never found. Liz's defense 
defense attorney, like her lawyer, he even seemed to have doubts about it. Like they're like interviewing him about the trial being delayed. And he says to media, they're just trying to find a body. And then he's like, but there, there is no body to be found. Uh, and then later on, uh, once Liz is convicted, he does some more interviews. And yeah, he's just saying how fucked up all those emails and texts are that she sent. That's undeniable. But, you know, maybe she didn't commit murder. Like there's no body. So I don't know. It was just a very weird thing to hear somebody's lawyer say. Like you don't usually hear somebody's lawyer kind of talk about them like that like it's kind of I don't know I don't know maybe um yeah judging their credibility which is very important in a course court case to have a very strong credibility anyways that was just a weird side note has nothing really to do with the case well I guess it does because he was her lawyer but you know what I mean so Carrie's Carrie Farver's body was never found it's and it's not easy to convict someone of murder without uh, a body because you have to prove that you know a death had actually occurred which you know I guess they proved with the blood and nobody had seen her for that long and then they have all that the harassing messages that Liz was sending pretending to be Carrie but they have no body they have no confession they have no murder weapon so this is just a, it's a wild case because she was actually convicted of this with a a huge lack of evidence Liz still claims her innocence and she says the murderer is still out there but where did Carrie's body go though if I was to speculate so this is pure speculation I have no proof of this I'm just trying to piece it together in my head. So what happened the morning of November 13th, 2012, between 6.30 a.m. when Dave kissed Carrie goodbye and noon when he started receiving those uncharacteristic text messages? What happened in between there? So if I were to speculate, I would, you know, you know what I'm not even speculating it's just a question like I don't know did Liz maybe go into Dave's apartment confront Carrie stab her to death burn her body in a garbage can and then send the garbage can to a landfill because if it's in a landfill it's going to be almost impossible to find it's like a needle in a haystack you just it'd be buried so far deep been but we do have those confession emails that Liz wrote pretending to be Amy which detectives believe were very detailed to the point that that's probably how the murder happened the digital forensic investigator said with all of the emails and texts it would have taken Liz 40 to 50 hours a week to do that much stalking and harassing Uh, it's a full-time job it's more than a full-time job 50 hours a week I didn't see anything about a psych evaluation for Liz but I'm sure that would be very interesting because Liz had shot herself and who knows how her house burned down killing all of her pets inside so I don't know I just have so many questions about this case that were never answered and I really do hope that Carrie Farver's body is found one day to give her family that peace so they can have a funeral for her and they can kind of close that part of their life because Carrie was a mother to a 15 year old son you know she was a daughter to Nancy she had so many friends it's just so devastating because so many people loved her and she 
was just such a great person and for her to just be gone forever with no answers it's just really sad um but if we wanted to take more of a like psychological thriller twist of a turn like if this was being made into a movie with heavy creative license I would say this is you know they could make a crazy movie about this and put a twist of like a gone girl situation um it's just so wild it's just every every turn is just crazy like 15,000 harassing emails and texts over like three years and just absolutely crazy but anyways I'm gonna leave you guys with that case um make sure to check the face my hell no a true crime podcast instagram and facebook for pictures pertaining to this case I'm not sure if I'm gonna continue with the facebook page because it's just in my opinion i I don't know I just don't find it that user friendly it's not that seamless to use as as Instagram I might start a Twitter instead and of course I'll be starting my Patreon as soon as I can get my shit together so that concludes this week's episode of Hell No A True Crime Podcast and to Shayna Liz Goyler I say hell no thanks for listening see you next week